The Penguins got a big win against the Wild on Monday night. And on today's episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to recap that game. Plus, get into how the power play continues to stay hot. Your Locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Joined by my co-host, Patrick Damp. You can follow him on Twitter at Synonym for Wet. And of course, you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. So Monday night, that was a wild win. No pun intended there, but the <laughs> Penguins escape with a 4-3 to three win over the Minnesota Wild. They jump out to a 3-0 lead in a typical Penguins fashion. They blow it, but the power play saves the day in the third period. Sidney Crosby with the game-winning goal to lift the Penguins to a 4-3 to three win. This was a massive win, Pat, because if they had blown this game I don't know how you can come back from that. And I also don't know how the coaching staff is even employed heading into today, to be honest with how this season has gone so far. That was a must win, especially in that situation where you're up three, nothing you're controlling play and the boom, you let the wild get back into it. The penguins fell asleep for the final five minutes of the second period. And then for the first, I would say five minutes of the third, but once Crosby was able to will the penguins to a four, three lead on the power play, the Penguins took control of the game, and then the Wild really didn't see that many good chances the rest of that third period. Overall, I thought the Penguins were the better team in this game outside of a 10-minute lull late in the second, early in the third, and those were two very much-needed points with where the standings are right now. For sure. I also don't want to excuse blowing a three-goal lead because it's not a good thing to do, but... Just given the way this team kind of dominated the first period and most of the second period to jump out to a three-goal lead, I mean, it really did look like this was going to become a laugher yes. uh, once once Malkin scored. Uh, because you look at that, and we'll talk about him here in, a, here in a minute, but you look at that Gino goal, the pass from Pustinen, and that Gino having literally the entire net to put the puck in, that's the kind of goal you score when you are just whooping a team, when you are just taking it to them relentlessly. And that's kind of what the Penguins were doing last night. So what I'm building towards here is while I can't ex fully excuse blowing a three-goal lead, I can understand the human nature aspect of playing that kind of a game and thinking, man, we are just going to walk all over this team and is this is going to be a laugh or we're going to just get a, an easy two points and the wild are going to head home or up to Boston with their tail between their legs. So I get it to an extent. I would have rather seen them just keep the pedal to the metal and bury them. I also think there might've been, and this is just more of a joke than anything. I also think they didn't want to see their old pal flurry in the net. So they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. So John Hines didn't have to replace his goalie, but I digress. Uh, it's a good two points, and there's there aside from the blown lead, there is a lot of positive to take out of this game last night. 
Yeah, the blown lead is my biggest negative, obviously, from this game. Against a better team in the league, you may not win that game. It, the Penguins still just need to be a lot better when they have leads. You can't take your foot off the gas pedal the way no. you did late in the second period. And yeah, I know the first goal about the Wild scored. They got a little bit of a lucky bounce. But then the second goal, a few minutes later, you can't give up that one either. You, you need to start playing when that first goal goes in. It, it, it's just not good enough overall. This team continues to be a little bit lackluster with defending leads this season. and. It needs to still get better. Going back to what and that was that was my yeah. first thought after the first wild goal. Yeah. Like immediately, my mind went, "Okay, that's a fluky bounce." Like sometimes that happens in a game. Just just get right back to work, shake right. that off, and they kind of didn't. Right, that's what I was hoping for as well. I'm like, okay, bad bounce. Go make it four one to end the second period. Then you'll be feeling confident heading into the third. Instead, the Wild make it three two, and it's like, okay. Feels like at that point, it's only a matter of time before the Penguins fully blow this lead. And sure enough, Vinny Letary gets the tying goal before Sidney Crosley wins it. Overall, again, it's not good enough. It needs to get better. Going back to something you said earlier before the blowing lead, though, Valtteri Pustinen. What a game from this kid. Two assists. His forecheck created that Riley Smith goal to open the game. That was amazing behind the net. And then that pass to Evgeny Malkin and make it 3-0. Man, this kid is continuing to grow on me. You said it on the Monday show, it, it, the pieces are starting to fall in place for him to potentially stick around after Brian Rust is ready to return from his injury. Again, I just want to stress to everyone, I hope that this isn't just a flash in the pan like we've seen from a couple other Wilkes-Barre players where, okay, you can play well for three to four to five games, but then you tail off a little bit. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope he continues to play at this level for the next week, two, three weeks, or honestly the rest of the season where he can stay up and have a full-time role with this team because this team badly needs more depth in the lineup right now, and he is providing a much-needed spark and just much-needed strong play in the top six when they have one of their best wingers out. That's four points in five games. Prusnin still searching for that first NHL goal, but I'm really liking the chemistry that he has with Evgeny Malkin and Riley Smith. I like the chemistry that he has with the top power play unit. He's been really impressive despite being a little bit of an undersized player at the NHL level. But he's not letting that affect him at all. He's been awesome. Kyle Dubas, Mike Sullivan, if you're listening, I am open to finding a front office job with this team because <laughs> I just can't miss lately with a lot of these suggestions and predictions between the power play and now Valtteri Pustinen. But uh, kidding aside, I mean, the biggest thing I've noticed with him is that he is making definitive plays that show he's a top six forward. And you and I discussed this after we stopped recording yesterday. I didn't want to, you know, prolong our episode too long in the discussion of, of Valtteri Pustinen and some of the other Wilkes-Barre guys. I'm with you in that we have seen this happen dozens of times right. in the Crosby Malkin era where a guy comes up, he has two or three good games and we're all making memes about him, and he's the next big thing. And then all of a sudden he disappears but I think a lot of what Pustinen is doing is sustainable because he's he's being very definitive with the puck. You watched the power play last night, even on the night on the opportunities that it didn't score when uh, the three others that they didn't score on, he was making good decisions with the puck. He wasn't just deferring to the big guns. He wasn't trying to just get out of the way. He was. There were times where he got himself into a shooting position and was calling for one timers. That's a confident kid. That's a confident game. And I think that is kind of what has separated him from some of the other Wilkes-Barre call-ups so far is that 
he's playing a confident game and we can get into the numbers. We can get into the analytics of it, but he's playing a game that is saying I belong here. And it is an intangible thing that I don't think you can discount because it's, I've said it before. It's a skill to play with highly skilled players. Yes. yes. We, we joke about Pascal Dupuis and Chris Kunitz of the world. It's the, it's the acting of Fulhaman tweet, the Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit guys who come up that you've never heard of, but it is a skill to play with elite players because you have to know where to go. You have to know how to read off of them. You have to think the game on a similar level that they do. And while I'm not going to sit here and say that Pustinen's that just yet, a lot of the signs that he could be are there. I agree with you. And the best part is he's playing at the closer to the level that we saw from Brian Rust and Jake Gensel when they came up from Wilkes-Barre compared to some of these other players who have come up from Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, I know fans attach themselves to the next big thing every time a player gets called up from Wilkes-Barre, but I feel like this is closer to that situation with Rust and Gensel and even Connor Sherry when he first came up from Wilkes-Barre as well to give this team a jolt that it really needed in 2016. And with Pustin, if he can keep this up, this forces potentially other players down the lineup. For example, that maybe Brian Rust has to play on the third line, or maybe it's Ricard Raquel. I don't really think Raquel played that well in his return last night, but I'm willing to give him at least a couple games to get his feet wet again because he was out for so long. But this is a good problem for the Penguins to have if he continues to play well. And everybody's going to point to the four check on Smith's goal last night, which deserves the flowers and attention that it does. Yes. But the thing that was more impressive to me was the assist on the Malkin goal, because like we said, this guy hasn't scored an NHL goal yet. And young players or first-time NHLers or young NHLers, however you want to categorize it, tend to overshoot. They tend to take a little bit more of a risk to get that monkey off their back and score the first goal. But he had the foresight to see if he had the foresight to see that the defenseman and the goalie were playing shot for him all the way. And he had Malkin cutting in completely unchecked and completely looked off the goalie and the defenseman and got the puck to Gino for a tap in that just was a no doubter. And that's a confident, smart, offensive top six kind of play. He could have been a little bit selfish and took the shot there, but he saw that Malkin was wide open, threaded a beautiful pass to him. Boom, pucks in the back of the net for a 3-0 lead. I'm just really encouraged by his play right now. And speaking of Evgeny Malkin, we've been both a little tough on him the last week or so, but I thought he enjoyed his best game in quite a while last night. I thought Malkin was engaged throughout, had that goal, but even throughout that, I thought his defensive work was a bit better. I thought his playmaking ability was a bit better. He was zipping the puck around on the power play like it was his duty to do that. And just overall at five on five, he enjoyed a much better performance next to Pustin and Riley Smith. I want to see this level of Geno more often than not, because if he plays like this in a lot more games, the Penguins, I do think, are going to win more games this season. It's no coincidence that when Evgeny Malkin plays like one of their best players, heck, they tend to win. So this was a good bounce back from Geno. Yeah, who could who could have ever thought if Genny Malkin plays well, the Penguins play well? Right. Breaking news here on the Locked On Penguins podcast. <laughs> but I, I texted you last night during the game uh, when he got the penalty with Goligoski at first and said, "Oh, he's got to settle the hell down." Right. But in when they showed the replay, I watched it back and went, "What? What are we calling here?" Like they Should ran in on Riley Smith. I thought I don't think Gino tripped him at all. 
No, 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 not the tripping. I was talking about when they came oh. off the bench and collided. No, oh, but, right. but, but that one, that that wasn't even a penalty. The guy toe picked. He just lost his balance. That it too, wasn't a right. trip, but regardless. But when Goligoski and Malkin came off the bench and got tangled up, I was like, they just collided. Like, Gino didn't go after him, and Goligoski didn't go after him either. Like, uh, the other thing I texted you last night was this, that was a burn the tape kind of game for officiating. It was bad. Bad on both sides. I don't really understand what the refs were calling half the time. It felt like they were just doing these ticky tacky calls for the sake of it. I don't know what Chris Rooney and his it was a rough night we were doing, but Penguins got the two points. That's the big story here. And coming up in the second segment, Pat and I are going to get into Sidney Crosby's effort and how once again he will the Penguins to another win. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. We're back here on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the one and only Hunter Hodes. And we thank you, as always, for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. So you, once again, Hunter, are vindicated as you have been, like I have been for the past week or so. Because what do we call last night's game other than a vintage Sidney Crosby performance? I just didn't call it like I normally do, <laughs> but I feel like I, mean, I should have to this point because he's playing at this level right. every night. I was going to say at this point, like it's just assumed. It's like, okay, they're going to drop the puck. There's going to be at least three periods. And yeah, there's going to be two teams playing. Oh, there'll be a vintage Sidney Crosby performance as well. <laughs> How could we forget that? But he gets the game winner on the power play and it was such a great effort by him. And we're going to talk about the power play in the final segment today, but it was a really great effort by him because one of the things I have been talking about, you have been talking about penguins fans in general have been talking about is the lack of a net front presence when the power play was struggling. And Sidney Crosby last night decided to go full Thanos and just say, fine, I'll do it myself and went to the front of the net and buried one to give the team the lead. Yeah, man, it's almost like, wow, when you have a net front presence on your power play, no matter who it is, you're going to score more goals. I love that Sidney Crosby was not in his normal spot behind the net making things happen. As you said, he was like Thanos, I'll do it myself, or I'm not going to be denied, and I'll post up in front of Phil Gustafson, and I will jam that puck past him. And sure enough, he did that, got the Penguins the lead that they would not squander the rest of the third period. Just a beautiful Crosby goal there. And the, the level that he continues to play at, 33 points now in 30 games, 18 goals this season, he continues to be a strong candidate for the Hart Trophy this year. The Penguins, again, they cannot waste these types of games from their captain. And honestly, they can't waste this season from their captain. What he's doing at age 36 is absolutely crazy, man. And this was another amazing game from the penguins captain he willed them to that win and i love that he was net from presence there maybe we'll see a little bit more of that as the power play continues to stay hot and we'll get into that in the final segment but i loved the effort that he showed in front of the net on that final goal 
the biggest thing for me away from just the the effort by Crosby on that goal was that it happened a minute less than a minute after they 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 lose the lead and the game's tied it was a great response because you look at the way last night's game went you look at the way this season has gone and that had the makings of here comes a collapse this is right. going to be you know, we're going to be here today talking about this game and how they blew a three-goal lead. This is an unacceptable loss. People got to be fired. People got to be traded. And instead, less than a minute later, they go on the power play. The power play comes through, and they score a goal with Sidney Crosby in an incredible effort to retake the lead that they would never surrender. So that is a, you know, it it shows you how quickly things can flip because it looked like it was going to be disaster. It looked like we were going to have to talk about people getting fired and the whole nine yards. Instead, we talk about how they bounce back big. They take, they retake control of the game and close it out and get the win. So it really shows you how much of the national hockey league exists on a razor's edge. And again, with the power play, we were potentially going to talk about how in a big time situation, the power play failed to come through. Well, newsflash, the power play came through not once, but twice in that game last night, especially in that high stake situation in the third period. I've said this on Twitter for the past week or so, the power play has been finally coming through in those big situations. And it's been really nice to see. And I'll say it again. I wish the power play was at this level earlier in the season because they would be in a playoff spot right now. That's for sure. But you know, even after that power play goal, I love the way the Penguins defended the rest of that third period. They didn't really give the wild anything the rest of that period, to be honest. The Wild only had two high-danger chances at 5-on-5 in that third period. They only had 0.42 expected goals at 5-on-5 that period. And honestly, for the whole game, the Wild only generated 1.3 expected goals for at 5-on-5. The Penguins defended really well in that game. And again, you can see the blueprint, people. It's there. You saw it in this game. And yeah, I know they blew the three-goal lead. They took the foot off the gas pedal for those final five minutes of the second period, the end of the third period. But outside of that, the blueprint was there. The Penguins are doing a great job limiting Minnesota's chances to the outside, playing committed team defense. When they want to play like this, they can. They know they can do it. They just, for some reason, go away from it numerous times during the season. But you you know the blueprint is there. When they play a little more, I guess, conservatively or a little less run and gun, if you want to call it that, they tend to win more. If you can combine that plus generate the offense that we've seen them generate, this team can win games. We've seen them do it. Colorado, Vegas, Washington. We've even seen them do it against Tampa Bay a little bit this season. Even the Toronto game, I felt like at home, outside of the third period a little bit, they did it. The Penguins have been able to do this. They did it for a lot in this game against Minnesota. They just need to do it on a more consistent basis. And it starts with the captain. It starts with Malkin. And you, I think, you know, we, we made the joke about like, oh, Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby play well and the Penguins play well. Breaking news. Who would have thought? But when when the rest of the team sees those two guys committed to 200 feet, 200 foot play, it rubs off. It, it sends a message that if these guys are doing it, everybody has to do it. And then you look at Crosby's, you know, just the, you got the top line numbers, right? You got a goal and assist for two points. He comes up big with the game winning goal on the power play with a great effort. 74% in the face off dot last night. We talked about that. And I know like, you know, we're all, it feels like we're just cherry picking and talking about stats here, but 
it's huge in, in, in an era where you need possession of the puck. The fact that your top center is winning three out of every four draws is a huge deal. And then you look at his analytics, 64% of the shot attempts when he's on the ice. And I think it's 55% of the expected goals when he's on the ice. Like that's, that is driving play and playing a two, 200 foot game because you're getting scoring chances. You're getting shot attempts you're winning faceoffs, but you're not giving up shot attempts and you're not giving up goals. And I, I, I know we're talking about Crosby for the heart and we should be, I don't think he's going to win it, but I do think now with Patrice Bergeron gone, maybe it's time for the lifetime achievement Selkie award for Sidney Crosby. Well, that's going to require one thing. And that's for Sasha Barkov to stop playing like Patrice Bergeron this year, because He's in what the 98th, 99th percentile for even strike defense this season. I think he's been the best 200 foot forward by a mile this year. So I think it would require Barkov to have a little bit of a drop off if we're going to give Sidney Crosby the Selkie. Not that said, I do think Sid could be in the conversation by the end of the year. It'd be nice seeing him get that lifetime achievement. But in terms of who the favorite is right now, in my opinion, it's probably Sasha Barkov. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I mean, it just felt like it might have been time. But before we, uh, head to the final segment here and give the power play its flowers. We do got to continue to talk about Sidney Crosby's effort, especially at five on five. He still sits second in the NHL with 14 even strength goals. He's fourth in the tied for fourth in the league with 25 even strength points. So as, as much as we are about to talk about how the power play has found its rhythm here over the past week, Sidney Crosby just keeps getting it done at 5v5 at this age. And, I mean, like you said, you can't waste this effort. You just can't. Like, you have to figure something out here. You got to start putting together a string of wins. You got to make a run here to get to the into the playoff picture or even climb up the Metro standings because when you have this kind of effort for Crosby, it doesn't come around often. I know we're used to it, but – this kind of extraordinary effort where he is among the elite, it happens every few years and we, the Penguins would be wise to not waste it. Yeah, man, I agree with you. And slowly but surely, that's now three wins in their last four games. They're three points out of a playoff spot. This game on Thursday, and we'll preview this later this week, that is a massive game against the Carolina Hurricanes. If you can win that one, in regulation, finally win one of those coin flip games against the Hurricanes, you can have something cooking here heading into the weekend against Ottawa. Then you have the Islanders to end the year twice. You have the Blues again as well. The schedule, I wouldn't say it opens up, but there are some winnable games to end the year for the Penguins. If they can go on a nice little streak here to end 2023, they will be in a good spot entering the new year. And we are going to talk about how that power play is something that could really help them get right back into this playoff picture. But first, we've got to talk about one of today's sponsors, and that is Game Time. It's the holidays. We're coming right up on Christmas time. And what better stocking stuffer is there than some Penguins tickets, which you can get on Game Time? You guys know the story. I say it every time I got to do this ad. There was a time when I bought tickets to the old Melon Arena from a scalper. They scanned, they worked, but they were for a section and a row that did not exist. So this is why I like game time, because they give you last minute deals, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets. 
for every kind of event in the area, whether it's the Penguins, the Steelers, the Pirates, comedy, theater, you name it, they got it. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seats before you buy them, so you're getting so you know exactly what to expect when you get your tickets. All in prices show you your total upfront, so you're getting a great deal without any of those annoying hidden fees. And you can buy those tickets in just two taps. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here on the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Damp, joined as always by the illustrious, the heroic Hunter Hodes, and Man, got to get into it because what a difference a week can make. Because around this time last week, we were on this show lamenting that Todd Reardon needed to be fired into space and the power play needed to just start rolling lines, forget about even doing a setup and get rid of everybody, throw the baby out with the bathwater. This power play is historically awful. And one week later, all of a sudden, it's woken up and it looks like a strength. Because last night, two different times and in the last week, it has come through in the biggest moments and won games for the Penguins rather than lost them. And that's the biggest thing, right? It's now winning them games compared to not getting them two points where the Penguins badly need those two points. It's funny. When you watch the power play for the last week, it looks like a completely different unit than the one we watched for a month when they went 0 for 37. They're zipping the puck around the offensive zone with authority. They have the shoot first mentality. They're going to the front of the net. The zone entries also look a lot better. I'm not seeing that drop pass nearly as often as I used to. It actually looks like a functioning power play the way it was supposed to look when you have all of these surefire Hall of Famers on it. Eric Carlson is running things really nicely. You have Crystal Tang running things really nicely on his unit. Evgeny Malkin has been looking much more comfortable on the power play, whether it's at the right half wall or the point. Sidney Crosby, as we discussed earlier, he going to the net front a little bit more often. He's also been behind the net a bit. You also have Jake Gensel being a little bit of a net front presence. He deflected in Eric Carlson's bomb from the point to get the power play rolling for the first one. And honestly, I still, I'm not, I don't say I have a conspiracy, but I felt like at first it was Carlson's goal because I thought it went off the wild player, but I guess we'll give it to Jake. It was a really nice deflection. But I mean, it did look like that. It did look like yes. Carlson's goal. It looked like it hit the Minnesota wild player right. in front skate. It didn't look like Jake tipped it. And then they showed the one angle and it was, clear as day that Jake did tip it. And right. that's, yeah. and the thing is we got to talk about that real quick before we can, sorry to interrupt you, by the way, Go ahead. Uh, that is an incredible deflection by Jake Gensel because that was a bomb. Like I would, like if, if, if that hits somebody, they might disintegrate. <laughs> yeah. It was a beautiful slap shot from Carlson from the point. And you said it, that the way that Gensel was able to get his stick on that puck get it past Philip Gustafson, that was a thing of beauty. But again, it continues to show how the power play is humming lately. There are six for their last 16, Pat. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you ever think they were going to be six for their last 16 in a stretch after they went over 37? No. And no. if you, and I, I, before the show started, I ran those numbers six for 16 since they got the power play going yeah. again against the Coyotes. And that averages out to about 37 and a half percent, which if, 
you were to just take that percentage number and drop it into the power plays for the year, that would be first by a mile. The top power play in the NHL right now is just a shade above 30%. So if you're operating it, and, and who knows if this is sustainable or not, it might not be, but if you're operating within a 20, 25-ish percent as a power play, it's going to win you more games. It's going to get you more points in the standings, and it's going to keep you in a power or in a, in a playoff spot, a power play spot, which is where they kind of are right now. Right, and it'll also potentially win them some games where maybe they don't deserve to get the result. Now, last night, I thought the Penguins, for the most part, they deserve to get the two points. But say you have a night where you don't have it at five on five, you're struggling to maybe kill penalties as well. What if your power play is there to bail you out of that and get you two points where you maybe don't deserve it? If the power play can keep up this momentum heading into those types of games, the Penguins will be able to win a game or two where, heck, maybe you don't have it and you can be like after, yeah, we stole it. Our power play got hot. That's what happens sometimes. The Penguins haven't been able to say that really at all this season, but with the power play continues to hum, maybe they can say that at some point later on this season. That will be a big deal for this hockey team. And the thing that's that's crazy about this is they didn't make a ton of sweeping changes. It wasn't like they ripped this power play out root and branch. Honestly, just, one goal went in and then everything else started going in the net. It feels like at least. But they they made a couple subtle changes. Yeah. Carlson really isn't the quarterback anymore. He's the guy up top. He's the guy who he's he's going to be one of the trigger men from the top to you know like we saw with the with the Yensel goal, but they've kind of made Crosby the de facto quarterback. And instead of giving him one position from what I have noticed he's allowed to roam because if you watch a lot of the power plays last night with him up there he's behind the net he's on the half wall he's up top he's all over the place and that subtle little change has actually made them more successful because I brought this up in a previous episode it kind of pulls the penalty kill out of whack because they can't really check him you can't really keep an eye on him if he's roving all around the offensive zone you can keep we saw this when the power play struggled it was real easy for them to just keep opposing pks to keep the penguins to the outside because everybody got to their spot and didn't move now right. crosby's moving all over the place and so is the rest of the power play because guys are filling in lanes guys are filling in areas and it's opening up mismatches and opportunities for the power play to put the puck in the net I was going to say that because it looks like Evgeny Malkin is also roaming around a bit more as well. He's not on just the right half wall, right? He's at the point. He's on the left half wall. He's behind the net at times. You're seeing Eric Carlson not be at the point either. Sometimes he's on the left half wall on the other side. So they're moving them around a little bit, keeping the penalty killers honest and kind of making them guess, I would say a little bit as well, to where the puck is going next. And that is paying massive dividends because the Penguins are getting more shots through the penalty killers aren't able to block a lot more shots and just know what's coming. And that's another big reason. I think why the power play has been really heating up as of late. Yeah. It's it, it, listen, if fair is fair, because we were all ready to kick Todd Reardon out the door, we have to give him some credit for this resurgence because the changes were made and they appear to be working now. If it keep if it doesn't keep up and this is a flash in the pan, yes, maybe they do got to make some changes. But if we are going to be fair and honest brokers here on the show, 
if we're going to go after him when it struggles, we have to give him credit when it starts to thrive. So we will see if this continues to be a strength for the Penguins. It needs to be if they would like to get where they would want to go this year. But last week, signs are very encouraging. But that is going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. We will be back tomorrow to talk a little bit more about what's going on in Penguins land. As always, we thank you for joining us. For Hunter Hodes, I am Patrick Damp. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast.